Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. It's Friday, April 3rd, 2020. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. He is social distancing at home. I'm social distancing at home, and I hope you know by now. If you don't know by now, I don't know what to do for you. I hope you know by now. CBS Sports is partnering with the Atlanta Tip-Off Club to the point where the Naismith Awards are being announced on CBS Sports HQ. We're recording short podcasts each day highlighting the winners. The Men's and Women's Defensive Players of the Year, that was Wednesday. Men's and Women's Coach of the Year, that was Thursday. And today on Friday, it's the Men's and Women's Players of the Year. The winners were Oregon's Sabrina Ionescu and Dayton's Obi Toppin. No surprise on either side. Let's start with Sabrina Ionescu. First player male or female in NCAA history to get at least 2,000 career points, 1,000 career rebounds, and 1,000 career assists. She's also the NCAA's all-time leader with 26 career uh, triple doubles, and she is Oregon's all-time leader in points, assists, three-point field goals, and double-figure scoring games. She led Oregon to a 31-2 record. They finished second in the AP poll. And Norlander, just out of curiosity, I did something today I'd never done before. Mm. I went and looked at a WNBA mock draft. Yeah, you did. I didn't know that. I just never Googled that. I was like, well, surely somebody makes mock drafts for the WNBA. And sure enough, they started popping up. And guess who's projected to go number one? Uh, Sabrina has to be. Sabrina is projected to go to number one. She is expected to soon, whenever we get back to actually playing basketball and stuff, she's going to be a member, it appears, of the New York Liberty. She's coming to... (laughs) New York City. All right, there we go. By the way, uh, congrats. This was a mere formality uh, to Sabrina Inescu. Sabrina, by the way, on my top 10 to 15 list of girl names, had either of our uh, children been girls instead of boys. I'm a big fan of the name Sabrina. It doesn't feel too too overly common these days. Just a little just a little dose of the, of the Norlander methodology there. She was amazing. In fact, I actually think... Because of, of Sabrina's connection to Kobe Bryant, she spoke at his uh, public memorial in February and did an incredible job there. Oh, by the way, that night, <laughs> uh, had a game that night, like spoke there, got got on a plane, and I believe it was Stanford, had an incredible game there. I think that she has a real chance here to become an icon uh, in basketball, in women's basketball. She's that talented. She, The stat to me that, that jumped out, uh, you handled the column, I handled the, the newser on Friday for uh, this final of the Naismith Awards, uh, final offering. She's the first player in men's or women's college basketball in the past 20-plus years to average at least eight rebounds and eight assists in a single season. She averaged 17.5 points, 9.1 dimes, 8.6 boards, 
fantastic player. Oregon, of course, would have been a one seed and would have had a chance. South Carolina, obviously formidable among other teams this season, uh, but she would have had a, a great chance at getting a national championship. Also, one other factoid, Brianna Stewart's the only other women's player in history to be a unanimous selection for the AP Player of the Year. That was also for Inescu this season. So congratulations on a landmark career, one of the best players in college basketball history, and certainly um, you know, a, a player that I think will remain in the public consciousness. Like She's got a real shot, Parrish, in the next decade to become, uh, I think, a viable true icon, maybe even the face of the WNBA. And there's, there are no shortage of candidates there, but given how she, good she was in college, and yes, her connection to Oregon, Nike, and Kobe Bryant, I think can all be a factor in that and her being uh, the star of the WNBA in the 2020s. Well, certainly her speaking at, at Kobe and Gigi's memorial like put her on a different level of fame. Like There are literally millions of people who had never heard her name before who watched her speak um, inside Staples Center. So uh, that certainly elevated her profile, but even without that, just an incredible college basketball player. You mentioned that if you had a daughter, you Sabrina was a possibility. When you hear the name Sabrina, you don't think Teenage Witch? Not really. I mean... <laughs> Like the first the, thing that pops in my head is a teenage witch. She must be a teenage witch. <laughs> okay, that's where. That's where. All right. I mean, it's it's certainly something there. But I feel like we're we're you know GP. We're like twenty four, twenty five years removed from that. So you might be dating yourself just a little bit. Uh, so I mean, basically, you know, I I I don't think Sabrina was going to ultimately win out. I had a number of names that I enjoyed, but if it did, uh, classmates of a would-be Sabrina Norlander would not be like, Sabrina the Teenage Witch? No, they wouldn't even know the show. So it doesn't really – it doesn't – no, that that didn't jump out to me. You know, um, when you hear the name Andy, you don't think of Andy Griffith? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. no, it's not. We've talked about that on the podcast before. Uh, like when you hear Gary, I mean forever for, with me, it'll be it'll be Gary Parrish, but there's no what, – what's, what's Gary Shandling maybe? That's pretty Gary much Shandling, um, Gary Coleman – Gary Trent Jr. Gary Trent Jr. Even more than Gary Trent. Uh, there's not a whole lot of Garys out there. We are we are an endangered species. Like it really is true. Um, it, unless you are passing your name down, which I refuse to do to any of my sons. I had I had like a, a million opportunities. I just pass. Unless you're passing the name Gary down, you're not just going to name your kid Gary. Like somebody named David and. And uh, Susan aren't going to name their little boy Gary in the year 2020. You'll like I, that's, I dare like if you can find a baby named Gary who doesn't have a father or a grandfather named Gary, like point that person out to me. They're they're they, they, you got a better chance of finding a unicorn here. It, no, here's the challenge, and we're going to need some sort of proof here. Do we have any parents, listeners that listen to the podcast? You are the husband. Slash father or the grandfather or, or the or the great grandfather is not named Gary. And did you name your child Gary? There, uh, that person does not exist. I'm telling you. <laughs> I'd love to be proven wrong, though. I know, there but is, I know there's, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of Garys coming into the world. I get that. There is not there is not a couple in this country that had a baby in the past year, and the, the husband, the father, or the grandfather, or somebody in the family's name is Gary. Like unless that's the case, there is nobody who just said, you know what. I was thinking about Gary. Like nobody does that. It's such a it's a it's a terrible name. It's awful. Like I I don't even, I 
So disappointed in my parents. My, like my parents could have named me Zion. Do you understand that? They couldn't have. No. I mean, they could have. Nah, I don't know about that. I mean, I mean, they could have. I'm just saying that like there were better options. Like I could be Zion Parish right now if my parents yeah, just had I'm, some fault. Uh, you know? yeah, yeah. People have already thought uh, one thing about you, only to learn another. Imagine if you were Zion Parish and talked the way you did. Yeah, I wish I was Zion Parish so bad. Yeah, I got this stupid name. Anyway, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. That's what I thought of. I got trip. Trivia time. All right, here we go. I went and looked up the mock draft because I wanted to confirm what I thought, which is that she would be the projected number one pick in the draft. So let's assume, for the sake of the conversation, Sabrina Ionescu is going to be the number one pick in the 2020 WNBA draft. That means she'll be a Naismith player of the year and her number one pick in the draft. Mm -hmm. Five times since the year 2000, the Naismith winner has also been the first pick in the subsequent NBA draft. Can you name those five players within the next 20 seconds without looking? No, not within 20 seconds, but are they all we're all referring to men's players here? Yes, I'm only talking about men's players. Right. I, don't, um, I, I, I did not have the time or the energy to go research the women's side. Okay, uh, so we got to go Anthony Davis? Is one of them. And you said the past 20 years. No, since 2000, counting the year 2000. Okay. So first, just think of 2000. Okay. Um. All right, so we got to go there. We got to go. Uh, hold on, I just got to reel my mind through this. Um, we got to go. Ooh, I'm gonna doubt myself. Give me, give me six guesses. My next one is Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin in 2009 is a correct answer. Okay. Then let's go. Let's go with. I think there's one you're gonna forget. Okay. Uh, this is fun trivia time. Um, all right, let's, I told you we're starting at 2000. So identify the 2000, 2000. Oh, that's Kenya. No. Yeah. It's Kenya Martin. Yeah. So yeah. Kenya Martin. Yes. Okay. That's three. So I'm three for three. Yeah. All right. So then I cannot believe you're missing one of them. Hold on. I'm just, I'm ping. I should be going chronologically, but I'm ping ponging. All right. So Oh, three is LeBron. O two, O two draft is O four is Bogut, O five uh is O five Dwight. Do you have the Do you have the O five is Dwight I think. So O six is oh who's the first pick in O six? I'm not remembering. Okay, O seven. Is oh it's Odin, but he doesn't win Naismith, so he's not one of them. First pick. Oh, uh, I don't think that's gonna. Uh, all right, nah, that's not it. Cause Rose, uh, nah, no. Rose is 08. He doesn't qualify. 2009. I gotta believe his Hansborough wins it, so he doesn't get it in 2009. 2009 is already Blake Griffin. Uh, 2009 is Griffin. Okay. Yeah, by the way, I'm just going to tell you, your years are off here. I'm off. Yeah, you're not right on a lot Dwight's, of stuff. Dwight's 06? You've been mumbling for a little while, and almost nothing you've said is right. Okay. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Dwight Howard drafted 06, then, not 05. No, Dwight Howard drafted in 2004. Get out of here. It's true. Oh, God. <laughs> I was on a roll. You just let me go. It was, it was, we went... We went non-college players four years in a row. 2001, Kwame Brown. 2002, Kwame. Yao Ming. 2003, LeBron James. 2004, Dwight Howard. Okay. So five is Bogut. Oh, five is Bogut. Correct. 
Okay. So 2000. I need two more, right? You need two more. And you have said both of their names, but you haven't volunteered them as an answer. What? Okay. Then I'm going to say Greg Oden, but I don't think that's the case. Greg Oden was not the Naismith player of the year. Okay. Then Tyler, Tyler, uh, no, no, no. Kevin Durant was the player of the year. Yeah, but he was not the number one pick. No, right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I have said these other two dudes' name on the podcast already. That's already happened. These two names have been said on the podcast. They, they, they both come out of your mouth. This episode? Yes. What? <laughs> I've said their names? Are you a stupid person? I have. What? Oh, man. This is my, the dumbest thing you've ever done in your life. It's, I'm blaming it on my kids, man. I'm, I'm, I'm losing it. I'm losing it, okay? My son came up with the phrase butt crack dollars today out of nowhere. Dude, you really think that's like, that, butt dude. crack dollars? My he thinks it's the funniest thing the ever. F word. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, this is brutality, okay? But, and I could easily. Say, you know what, GP, let's go back and start it over. No. You have named Kenyon Martin, Blake Griffin, and Anthony Davis. You're missing two. One of them is the most obvious thing in the world, and the other one you've said the name multiple times. One of them is the most. Holy (laughs) crap. So is one of them recent? I haven't been even thinking about everyone since Anthony Davis. Is one of them since Anthony Davis? Oh, yeah, Zion. One of them couldn't be. Zion. Zion. Yes. God, Jesus. Zion Zion Williamson. Yes. Oh, boy. I didn't even start thinking about it. Okay. So, and then the last one, you don't think that I was going to get. This is the one I didn't think you were going to get, but you have said his name. I mean, I don't feel – I... <laughs> Holy crap. Just let me tell you before I shoot myself. <laughs> no. I want to get it. Hold on. Ugh. What is going on? Pre or post Anthony Davis? Free. Okay, so well, what? Uh, uh, you're gonna have to tell me because I'm at I'm at a loss. I I don't even I don't know who is it. Andrew Bogut. He was the Naismith Player of the Year in 2005. What? Andrew Bogut was the National Player of the Year, the Naismith Player of the Year. That's unbelievable. <laughs> He was. In in order, it went from 2000. Here's the players of the year in order. All right. Kenyon Martin, Shane Battier, Jay Williams, TJ Ford, Jameer Nelson, Andrew Bogut, JJ Reddick, Kevin Durant, Tyler Hansborough, Blake Griffin, Evan Turner, Jimmer Fredette, Anthony Davis, Trey Burke, Doug McDermott, Frank Kaminsky, Buddy Hield, Frank Mason, Jalen Brunson, Zion Williamson. Trivia time. Okay, God. Trivia time. Two of the players you just mentioned were, uh, despite being national players of the year, weren't first-round draft picks. If you can, I don't know if what you're looking at is a cheat sheet or not, but can you name me? Play at home as well. Don't be as awful as I just was. Which two guys on that list were not first-round draft picks? Frank Mason, Jalen Brunson? You are correct. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. So, so anyway... Um, yeah, that was that was trivia time. You want to talk about Obi Toppin? That, that completes the Sabrina Unescu <laughs> portion of the podcast, and now we move on to the men's side, where the winner was Obi Toppin. 
Uh, Norlander, I know the answer to the question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Yeah. Did the voters get it right? Of course they got it right. Although, um, here's what, yes, they got it right, undeniably. Uh, here's what I have to offer with this part of the podcast. I did manage to get Billy Donovan on the horn on Thursday morning to talk primarily about uh, Anthony Grant, who served on Donovan's staff for a long, long time at Florida. And he gave me some quotes about uh, Anthony Grant in advance of that uh, Coach of the Year award being announced on CBS Sports HQ. So we had some good stuff in there, and that's in my news story. But I did ask him, I said, listen, I, you know, I don't want to force anything if it's not there, but I'm just curious in what you've seen. I don't know how many times you've watched Dayton and Toppin uh, this past season, but if you got to see him a few times, knowing Anthony the way you know him as a coach, like, did you feel as though, or if he told you this, did he utilize Toppin in any kind of way that was similar to any kind of bigs that uh, you would have had at Florida? And he said, oh, it's interesting you mentioned that because I probably, I probably saw about six or seven Dayton games this season. And although Obi is used more as a stretch four and was given more opportunity to shoot from deep, he said the way that uh, a lot of the actions and um, – I think a lot of the principles that, that Toppin was used in was reminiscent of how kind of a hybrid of both Joachim Noah and Al Horford at Florida. I thought that was pretty interesting to hear. And he said, yeah, no, there was definitely a connective thread because Grant was a defensive specialist for Billy at Florida, but also worked with the bigs. And one other interesting anecdote, I tweeted this out and it's in the story. Anthony Grant gets the head coaching job at VCU in 2006. He accepts it. Then the, then they has to tell the team. And Noah and Horford are so connected to Grant that they had decided that they were going to return to Florida. Then they learn this news. And, you know, they're 20-year-old kids or whatever. They're emotional about it. And it's not like they're, like, necessarily heartbroken but they're like if 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 coach grant's not here this is not the same group we're going pro and so then billy tells me he's got to put fires out these guys he's like guys you don't get it like when you're a coach you don't know if you're going to get these kind of opportunities so he talks them off the ledge so to speak and ultimately after x number of hours or a day or two of of, of them saying that they're going to just abandon it in which case two, that, florida doesn't win back-to-back -back titles if that actually happens then billy says Anthony comes to me having seen how Joachim Noah and Al Horford reacted and was like, Billy, I can't do this to these guys. I'm not going to VCU. I've made up my mind. I'm not taking that job. And Billy's like, all right, we have to stop this. You're taking the job. Okay, you're going, and they're going to stick around. And, of course, he eventually does take the job and does well at VCU. So I thought that was interesting as well. But just to circle it back with Toppin, um, just an interesting anecdote from the eyes of an NBA coach who obviously is really among one of the better uh, college basketball coaches of the past three decades. So the other, I think, reasonable candidates were probably Luca Garza, Peyton Pritchard, Yudoka Azabuki. Like I would have, you know, um, in, in any any of them makes sense. I mean, to me, I think it's 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 Obi Toppin. He was the best player in college basketball, in my opinion, and he did it for a one seed. But Iowa fans will make a strong, and I mean strong, <laughs> aggressive case for Luca Garza. And I will say, like, there's a lot of stuff to back that up. He was number one in the Ken Palm Player of the Year standings. He was number one in the game MVP standings at Ken Palm. Luca Garza had the 
highest player efficiency rating in the country at 35.11. Can you listen to a case that Luca Garza should have been the national player of the year across the board? Or in your mind, is it a incredible statistical season, but you ain't it? I definitely, uh, when we had to make our votes for CBS Sports Player of the Year, um, I had strong consideration for Garza. Played a tougher schedule. It's not Toppin's fault, but it is what it is. Played a tougher schedule and did very well against ranked opponents. Um, Put up significantly good numbers, and in terms of his production points and rebounds, did things in the Big Ten we hadn't seen uh, literally in decades for me, it came down to the fact that Toppin, while I don't always view it through this spectrum prism, if you will, GP, Toppin to me was the most valuable player in college basketball this season. And his team ran the table in its conference, and it didn't do it by getting seven wins by four points or fewer, okay? Dayton was dominant. It did not lose a game in regulation. It became the first A-10 team in 35 years to win, go 18-0 against conference competition. And Toppin was super valuable, always reliable. He didn't have these. He didn't average 24 and 13. I get that, but um, an extremely efficient player, a better defender than Garza, in my opinion. And Garza was not a poor defender, but I thought Toppin was certainly a better one. And his value to Dayton, putting them on the one line, whereas Iowa, yes, in a tougher league, wasn't projected as one, two, a three seed. That, to me, was the ultimate difference. But Garza does have a case, and those who want to make it, I won't resist you from doing so. Yeah, I'm with you. Like You can make a case for Garza, and, and you might even be right. But for me, it does come down to uh, the team stuff. You know, like, it, oh, yeah. I, I don't always require you to be on one of the best five teams in the country, but I do think it helps. You know, I, I, I think if, if Luca Garza had these numbers and was on a team that won the Big Ten and was predicted to be a one seed, he's probably your national player of the year. But given that Obi Toppin led a program that is never supposed to compete for a one seed, to a one seed and did it while putting on one incredible performance after another like that that just tips the conversation in his favor but if you're an Iowa fan who you know fought for Luca Garza argued for Luca Garza like you're not crazy like there's nothing dumb about it um it's just that I you know more people seem to think that Obi Toppin's the guy like I had one Iowa fan who apparently has an Iowa podcast I guess I don't know and he was like um would you be interested in coming on my podcast and, and debating Obi Toppin against Luca Garza? And I was like, yes. no, I would no, not you be definitely, interested. I think, I, that, I, I, I think I, our I, listeners I, would love I, to hear you do that. Under no circumstances. You know what I'm interested in? Not doing a podcast for a day. <laughs> you know what I'm interested in? Shutting the F up for a little while. I am so tired of talking, especially when there's no sports to talk about. Like, it's insane how much I'm talking about nothing. Uh, so uh, with all due respect, with all due respect, I say, no, I'm going to pass on that opportunity. But uh, I guess I'd bottom line it this way. I hear you. I hear you. Like, there's a case to be made for Luca Garza. I just happen to think the National Player of the Year should be Obi Toppin. But preseason National Player of the Year for next season? That's almost certainly going to be Luca Garza across the board. If he returns, 
the only other player, if Devon Dotson were to opt to return, that's the only other guy that you would have in competition with Luca Garza. And I think I'd still have to pick Luca Garza if Garza does return there. So yeah, if you're if you're Iowa, you're obviously hoping for that. I mean, the return of Luca Garza, if you're Iowa, puts you into a conversation for like preseason Final Four. Hopeful he can be that good. So um, that's something to keep in mind. But yeah, you know, it's certainly um, an uncommon year in that you're too. Yudoka Azabuki's there as well. I don't want to just say two, because to me it was Toppin, then Garza, and then Azabuki, and he's not really that far behind uh, for third overall. But no slam dunk like Zion Williamson. I cannot believe it took me forever. I wasn't even thinking about recent seasons, but no excuse, Matt. That was just idiotic. You idiot. Um, <laughs> but, but regardless, uh, yeah, that's that'll be... Interesting to see if he does come back. I'd love to see it uh, and see what he can do and see if he just, like, puts up, you know, if he improves, we're talking, like, ridiculous numbers there. So so we wait and see. But congrats to, to Toppin and to Dayton and to Anthony Grant and to his teammates. Uh, another piece of hardware and what's becoming a, a crowded proverbial trophy case for that program overall. And so it's a, it's a big-time big award, you know. You won the most outstanding player, the player of the year, if you to be specific, uh, for the award that's named after the man who invented the sport. That's the kind of thing that when you get later in life, uh, you look back on, and that's among your most, I think, treasured uh, accomplishments and possessions. So congratulations to Obi Toppin, who is also, by the way, like a, a number one or number two C all-time college basketball name. I don't think we talk about that enough. His full name is Obadiah Toppin, but just off the tongue, Obi Toppin, and he played at... Dayton, I think that's absolutely perfect and a good embodiment of uh, sometimes the quirkiness and spirit of college hoops. One last thing on Garza, then one more thing on top. And um, listen, I never tell. I, I haven't always been this way because when I was younger, I thought that I knew what everybody ought to do all the time about everything. And then I realized that what motivates me um, doesn't necessarily motivate other people. And what motivates other people doesn't necessarily motivate me. So I got out of the business of telling underclassmen what they should or should not do. Luca Garza can return to Iowa, and that's fine with me. Luca Garza can decide he wants to get on with his professional career, whatever that looks like, and that's fine with me as well. But I will say, if I was an on-the-fence guy, I do think there's something to be said for, hold up, I've got a chance to come back to school, be on a preseason top 10 team, be the preseason national player of the year, on every magazine that gets printed. Yeah. There's some real value in that. Like, you'll never get that opportunity again. Like, I think this is probably true. Luca Garza has one more chance the rest of his life to ever be the best player on his team. Yeah. Like, that's probably true. Uh, yeah, unless he winds up like, you know, we look up in seven years and he's just killing it overseas or something like that. Not that he can't or make it or sustain himself in the NBA, but he's – He's an interesting case, and we see these practically annually, of an awesome college player who just doesn't project to be, you know, despite how awesome he was, he just doesn't project to be um, a surefire, can't-miss NBA prospect. Maybe he returns, and then we look up a year from now, and college basketball has had a season, and hopefully you and I are talking a year from now in Indianapolis at the Final Four. Please let that happen. And Garza has turned himself into a surefire, you know, top, 
15, 17 draft pick. Who knows? It's not something that happens a ton, but what you just presented, Parrish, is certainly possible. And not just that, but even more in the big picture, um, Luca Garza has an opportunity, if he so chooses, to be among the most relevant players in his sport, and that will not happen again. Like, you have a, re- you know, it's chase what you want to chase, do what you want to do, but there is definitely a once-in-a-lifetime kind of opportunity that awaits him if he so chooses it. Right. Let me put it that way. Um, Luca Garza has an opportunity to spend one more year of his life being talked about, discussed, receiving the attention um, in a way that he's never had it before and in a way that he will never have it again. Mm-hmm. That's just the truth. Like, he will never play on America. He'll never be the best player on it. I'll put it this way. He will. He has one more opportunity to be the best player on his team, on a team that's supposed to be good, and arguably the best player in America while playing on national television in the United States twice a week. He'll never have that opportunity again. Because even if he ends up in the NBA, and I'm not sure that he will, but if he ends up there, he's just a guy in that league. I mean, he just like he's just a guy. Yeah. Uh, he got a chance to be the guy, and I do think that that's worth something. If he decides it's it's not enough to keep him in school, that's again fine with me. Like you make your own decision. But I think if I were in a position to be you know, again on all the magazine covers to start the season, I, I'd have a hard time passing that up. Unless I was Obi Toppin, who's going to be drafted in the top ten, then you got to go. I mean, you'll have to, but you probably should. Um, but but like when you're picking between being a second round pick at best or coming back to school and being all of the things Luca Garza can be, to me that really leans toward the direction of coming back to school and really, you know, just making that one year that's going to be at least on paper incredible, like making it. You know, just never regretting passing it up. How about I put it that way? You don't. I, I would never want to be in three years playing in Europe and wondering, man, did I pass up what could have been the best basketball year of my life? Even if I wouldn't have been making a salary, did I pass up the best basketball year of my life? I, I wouldn't want to live with that regret. I wouldn't want to think about that the rest of my life. What was your thought on Toppin? Are you a believer in him as an NBA player? I am a believer in him as an NBA player, yes. And I'm a believer in him as an NBA player to the point where, like, if – I would say if you told me that Toppin by the year 2030, if you told me to go over under .5 All-Star games, I would say over. I might just be a guy that gets in once, maybe twice – but I think that he, as long as he continues to be a good three-point shooter, and he shot like 39%, didn't shoot a ton, but he shot more than 83 this season. Um, athleticism is there. Uh, defensively, I think will get even stronger and obviously knows how to work his way around the rim. I definitely can see it happening. And even though these players are so, so different, okay, they are so different, but I, I feel like every other year, every third year, we just have a guy that leaves college. He's awesome. Might be an All-American, might not, but is projected to be like a top 10 pick. And, you know, we have these discussions heading into a draft about, all right, well, we can see why he's been awesome, and we can see why he's been projected to be such a good, like, top 5, top 10, top 15 pick. But do you see it happening? And I remember last year, last freaking year, 
two players taken by the same team, taken by your team, or I was like, yeah, there's no reason why these guys should not be great. Now, I didn't think John Morant would be a superstar in year one, but I definitely thought John Morant was going to be all-star level kind of player. And additionally, late, we sat on the HQ set at, at the during the draft last season, and I was as in on any player as Brandon Clark because he had proven it from an athletic standpoint, from a defensive standpoint. His numbers were incredible. And, yeah, he steps in right away, and it's not the level nearly as Morant, but it's, it was another one of those, like, well, he's older. I don't know. Like, Toppin, okay, like he had a redshirt ear. No, I think he's going to be really good. I would be more surprised if he wound up as a true jag, like if he if he's by his eighth season in the league been on four teams and just doesn't do anything. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think he's going to be a, and a starter. I think he'll be a starting-level player for seven of his first 10 seasons in the league. You're exactly right about Brandon Clark. Everything that you needed to see was there. He was incredibly efficient, had the second-best player efficiency rating in the country behind only Zion Williamson. You've heard of Zion Williamson. Who is that? Yeah, so Brandon Clark was second PR. He was the best player on a great team. Like, what were you looking for? And you know what NBA franchise said? Yeah, but he's already 22 years old. Do you really want to take a 22-year-old? Like, why wouldn't you take a 19-year-old that's got more room to grow? Because Brandon Clark will be awesome. And by the way, you know who's got the second best player efficiency rating in the NBA among rookies right now? <laughs> is, it, is it really him? It's Zion and Brandon Clark, one <laughs> and two. Like, wow. it translated perfectly. Brandon Clark's good. He's going to be a part of a Grizzlies franchise that could compete for Western Conference Finals, you know, in in, in a few years. You would you would assume, based on the stardom of John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Brandon Clark, like that franchise is in a good place right now. And some of it is because they just said, I guess we could take a, a 19-year-old with potential, but we got a 22-year-old who looks like he does everything we want somebody in that position to do. So let's just get him. And they moved up and they got him, and it was brilliant. Like Brandon Clark, Obi Toppin is going to be picked lower than he should be picked because he's already 22 years old. And I, this would be my prediction. Wherever he's picked, he will outperform the pick. Like, let's say he's picked sixth or fourth, eighth, whatever it is. When we look up in three years, you'll say Obi Toppin is, is better. If we, if, you know, sometimes people redo the draft. Let's redo yeah. that draft. When they redo the draft in three years, he'll be picked higher than he'll actually be picked in this draft. We will probably repeat this segment to a certain extent on a podcast as we get closer to the draft whenever that happens, by the way. But I'll close on this. I think that the fact that we are having this pandemic issue and coronavirus is going to cancel the NBA Combine. It's going to cancel so much, if not all, of the pre-draft stuff. I actually think that Toppin will be drafted my expectation is that he will be drafted higher than he otherwise would have been if it was a normal year he goes through the process not to say that he would have plummeted or anything like that but I actually do anticipate him going sixth fourth fifth because they're not going to be all that other noise they're going to rely so much on the tape on his coaching staff and the performances and the awards and accolades. So it actually might benefit him and it might save some scouts or some GMs, some embarrassment later down the road. But that being said, yeah, I, I do think that he has a good chance at doing what you are suggesting and his age should not be held against him. I have him going second in my most recent mock draft. I've got LaMelo Ball one and Obi Toppin two. 
those are the two players that I feel most confident about, um, you know, transitioning into the NBA. And our buddy Sam Bassini, who has actually been on this podcast this entire time. Yeah, Sam, we'll get to you next time, man. We're going to get to you next time, Sam. He now has LaMelo Ball going number one in his mock draft as well. And um, that seems to be picking up some steam. Um, But, but, like, I would take Obi Toppin second. I don't know that he's going to go second. I'd take him second. I think he's going to be a high-level NBA player, and I think it's going to be obvious very quickly. I think he's going to transition well. He'll make an impact as a rookie. Not all these dudes drafted in the lottery are going to make impacts as rookies. In fact, most probably won't. I think Obi Toppin will. Congrats to Toppin. Dayton fans, this kind of wraps up. Uh, listen, you've gotten, rightfully so, uh, literally hours of discussion with GPI on the podcast this past season. And with the awards kind of closing out here, uh, we kind of closed this chapter. But congrats. And uh, I hope everyone has an, a, a good weekend. Hopefully you got good weather near you. Get out and stretch. We will have another podcast for you next week. I've been working on something that uh that will factor into our discussions i think a little bit and then we'll see what else happens but uh but yeah we're gonna take a little bit of break i don't want i don't want gp talking about sports for like a minimum of four days here okay take a little breather gp before we reconvene next week and uh, and really dive headfirst into a unique offseason and unprecedented offseason shouts to Devin downey shouts to chester south carolina shouts to terry mf and teagle legend Shouts to Larnell. Go subscribe to the Ion College Basketball Podcast, Apple Podcast. Rate it favorably. Five stars, nice comments. And we will talk to you again really soon. Stay home, stay safe, and we'll connect with you not too long down the road. Till then, take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.